0: As these ushers uh, pass around the baskets. Uh, just real quick, for next Sunday, next Sunday is Mother's Day. We would love for you guys to come back as we celebrate mothers. I feel like I've got a, I've got a great message uh, lined up for that week. And we're also going to set up an area uh, around our, our campus here uh, where there's going to be an opportunity for you to take Mother's Day photos. I know many of you guys like that. And so, um, so you know, moms dress up. And, and feel free to, uh, uh, to invite anybody you want to come to that. And, uh, and then also, it, next, of course, we're doing this all month. But if you want to, it would be great if you can bring some baby items, uh, diapers and, and, and wipes. As we, for the month of April, we are, uh, that's our big give. And we're giving that to the Bartow Family Resource Center. So, if y'all can bring that next week, that would be awesome. And join us on Mother's Day. So, we are in week four Of our Moses series, and I've been loving this series. Uh, I've I've studied some um, some Bible studies regarding Moses, and one of my favorite one is "Experiencing God" by Henry Blackaby. If you have never done that particular study, or if it's been several years since you have gone through this study of experiencing God, I would highly recommend you going through uh, this study of experiencing God, and uh, you will be blessed. You will be challenged. You will be inspired. But in our first week of this Moses series, we, uh, we talked about running ahead of God and how that many times, even in our lives, just like Moses did, Moses said, hey, I'm going to take matters in my own hands. These, these uh, Israelites need to be rescued. I'm, an, I'm a Jew, but I'm, I'm also in the prince of Egypt and the Pharaoh's household. And, uh, but when we put ourselves ahead of God and take matters in our own hands, others will suffer Longer, just like the Israelites suffered longer when Moses fled for 40 more years. Uh, we can lose our influence when we get ahead of God. We can also um, uh, not really serve Him in the prime time of our life, just like Moses. In uh, week two, we talked about, we dealt with some of our deficiencies. Moses, and, and when, the Moses, when the burning bush happened and, and that, that conversation with God occurred, Moses told God, Look, I'm not your man. I'm not great in speech. He kept going all of these excuses when really the heart of the matter is he was ashamed for what he did by killing an Egyptian soldier 40 years earlier. And so some of us may feel like, you know, God, the things that I've done, my past, I'm not worthy to even serve you. I'm not even worthy uh, to, to be a good father, a good, a good uh, mother, a good husband, a good spouse, a, you know, a good coworker. I'm not, I'm not really worthy to bring about your name. I'm not really worthy to serve you. And God is saying, yes, you are worthy. If you have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, you are my child. I have uh, I've redeemed you, and I have a plan for you. Yes, he will correct you, but he wants to use you. And so whatever excuse you may have, God has a response of love Uh, Back to you as he did with Moses. And uh, last week we talked about the problem of obedience. And obviously there's problems and issues with disobedience. But there's also issues when we obey. Especially when our lifestyle clashes with the holiness of God. When God tells us, hey, I I need you to correct these things. I want you to to do these things. I want you to simply obey. When that happens, there's a clash that It happens. And we have uh, some issues. We have some problems that may arise. Um, some, of those, uh, some of those problems may, may make us feel like we're failures. God, I'm just failing. And a lot of times new believers walk through this. New believers, like, you know, they, they've lived a certain life, and, and they're having to let go of some of those things that, that they're being convicted of as they have invited the Holy Spirit into their lives. And they feel like, well, I keep, I keep going back to my old ways. I keep slipping up. And, and, and I just want to let you know that even though you may feel like a failure and, and you may feel like, well, I have, I have all these issues and, and, and everything and I'm having some problems with this obedience thing, it's okay. It's natural. God is going to grow you and allow God's grace to sustain you. Well, Moses had some of these issues when he went back to, uh, back to Egypt. And he went back, obeyed God through the burning bush. And, he, and God told him, look, you need to go back. You need to tell Pharaoh, look, you need to let my people go. And my people want to go to the desert. We want to go there for three days, livestock, everybody. And we want to worship God Almighty, the one true God. So you need to let my, my people go. And, of course, uh, Pharaoh laughed at that and even made things harder for Moses and harder for the Israelites so he said, you know, all right, not just making bricks, but we want you to collect your own straw to make the bricks. And so it, it, it really caused him issues as Moses obeyed, and this made the work, uh, it made it more difficult. So Moses, he could have taken this, these issues and these problems with obedience, he could have taken this and just said, you know, I'm just going back to Midian. Forget this. But he responded in a way of learning, trusting in God, and going to God, say, okay, God, what do I do? And um, so what Moses did, he continued to obey, even in the hard times. When times are tough, he kept obeying. So he went back to Pharaoh, and he shared with Pharaoh the message again. And we see this in Exodus chapter 7, verse 14 through 18. It says this, Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh's heart, Is unyielding, he refuses to let the people go. Go to Pharaoh in the morning as he goes out to the river, confront him on the bank of the Nile, and take in your hand the staff that was changed into a snake. Then say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has sent me to you to say to you, Let my people go, so that they may worship me in the wilderness. But until now, you have not listened. This is what the Lord says. By this you will know that I am the Lord. With the staff that is in my hand, I will strike the water of the Nile, and it will be changed into blood. The fish in the Nile will die, and the rivers will stink. The Egyptians will not be able to drink its water. Now, the Nile is the lifeblood of Egypt. Egypt in a desert, you kind of need the Nile River. I mean, they depended upon the Nile. And so it it turned into blood. And so this was the first plague of 10 plagues. And you may have heard of these plagues before. Maybe you've studied this before. Maybe even as a a child, you you studied this in in Sunday school. They talked about all these plagues. And and turning the the water into blood obviously hurt the health of the people, the the commerce of the people hurt financially. And then Moses... Um, went back to Pharaoh, and then they had the, uh, the plague of the frogs. The, the frogs, can you imagine that the, the entire country filled with frogs, billions and billions of frogs, okay? Ladies, imagine you're going into bed, and you're under the covers, and you feel something squirming around, all right? And it's a frog, okay? You, you drink coffee, and there's a little baby frog looking at you, you know? Kids, you're eating cereal, you're eating Cheerios, you know, and there's something in there besides just Cheerios, okay? And he's swimming around in the milk, all right? And so, so the frogs infest Egypt to the point where Pharaoh's like, okay, <laughs> uh, this is ridiculous. Y'all, y'all can go to, y'all can go to uh, wherever you want to go to worship your God. Just get rid of these frogs. So God did. There were dead frogs everywhere. And uh, Pharaoh changed his mind. He's like, ah, frogs are gone. I want you to stay. So then came plague number three. It was the gnats. The gnats, was, was in, they were infesting the entire country. So imagine all of, these, uh, all of these gnats. And what's interesting about this, there's no message of warning to Pharaoh. In other words, God said, all right, you changed your mind. You said they can go, and now you change your mind. Well, I'm not going to give you a warning. So gnats were everywhere. And it's really interesting about this plague because Pharaoh's magicians, his most trusted advisors, told Pharaoh, they're like, yeah, this really is from a higher power. Uh, this, this, is, this is crazy. This is from a higher power. We, we can't even reproduce this. We can't control gnats. And so you already have people in, in Pharaoh's close circle who are now acknowledging this is something bigger, something greater. So then, after the gnats, Moses came back to Pharaoh and said, Hey, uh, remember, remember Pharaoh? You need to let my people go. That's what God says. Let my people go. Let us go worship. So he warns them again, and he warns them. And then this time he sends flies, flies everywhere. Flies, flies, flies. I can't stand flies. Even if there's one fly. Imagine, you ever sit out at the dinner table, and there's just that one fly that just keeps buzzing around, and you get the fly swatter, and you're hitting it, and it, it, it. Even if it lands on food, you're hitting it, you know? You're like, whatever, you know, it hits on your kid, you're hitting it, you know? Hey, stand still, you know? And so th- that one fly is, is buzzing around, and flies do awful, awful things, okay? Just, I'm going to give you one word It's going to gross you out, maggots. Ugh. Oh, that just grossed me out. Baby flies. Let me tell you, it was gross. It was awful. And so it flooded and infested the entire country, except this plague was the first plague of the 10 that there was a distinction between where the Israelites lived and where Egypt. So where the Israelites lived, it's like God put this Force field around Israel, where they lived in Goshen in the land of Goshen, and he put them around there, and no flies infested. And and but e- Egypt, they were the ones who were getting the brunt of this plague of flies. So, um, and it's really interesting. Uh, God God would say, "All right," I mean, uh, Moses, uh, Pharaoh said this. I. Right, these, uh, these flies are really bothering us and it's crazy. Why don't you just worship your God here? I mean, we could set up a place and, you know, we'll, you could take three days off and you could just worship God here. But God did not want that, did he? God said, no, we're going to leave to go worship. And so Moses would not settle for compromise. Man, isn't it something we can use in our time uh, today? Never settle for compromise, when God wants to do something. So then another plague came up. Again, Moses went back to Pharaoh, said, let my people go. He wouldn't. Then we have the, the flag, uh, plague number five, where livestock were killed. Okay, this was a major blow to the economy of Egypt, who depended upon livestock to, to transport things, okay, depended on, on livestock with farming. And so the livestock died. That would be equivalent to if here in America, all of a sudden, all the cars and the trains and all the transportation just stopped. Wow. Imagine if that were to happen. What, what would we do? Okay. I mean, bicycles, you know, be a good time to invest in bicycles. But that's what happened there in Egypt. Livestock killed. Plague number six came. This came without a warning. Boils. Boils and just pus seeking out on, on people's arms and face and everywhere on their body, all the Egyptians. Again, there's a distinction between the Israelites and the Egyptians. And In fact, Pharaoh sent spies into Israel's area, and yes, it's confirmed they don't have boils. They haven't had the last plague. Yeah, what's going on? And so this plague started to affect the very health of the people of Egypt. I mean, this is getting real. It's getting personal. And so people are wondering, hey, what what is going on? What is happening? Plague number six was boils. Plague number seven, a huge hailstorm, a huge hailstorm that, um, that destroyed crops, destroyed uh, homes, It obviously probably did damage to people, huge hailstorm, and this is really interesting for this plague. Pharaoh's heart began to soften, and he actually acknowledged his sin. He started to acknowledge his sin, but he still would not let his people go. Plague number eight, locusts, locusts everywhere, you know, you know on a summer night when you're, when you're hanging out in the back deck and you hear these weird noises in the trees, the locusts? You know, that, there's not many of them in the trees. I mean, it just sounds like there's billions of them. But imagine if there were actually billions of locusts and everywhere. And then they shed and they leave those, that gross locust skin, you know, behind and, and everything. So, But here's what's interesting about this plague. Pharaoh started having people come to him. And say, "Um, I think it's time to let them go. I think it's time to let them go. Please, can we just get this over with? Let the Israelites go. Let them go and go worship. Whatever they want to do. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He hardened his heart again and again and again until we get plague number nine, which is darkness. Darkness covered Egypt again. Not where Israel was, but darkness. Dark clouds hid the sun, just as black as night with no stars to see. And this was the foreshadowing of the darkness that will invade the hearts of the Egyptians as we lead to the most gut-wrenching, horrific plague of all time. Plague number 10. The death of the firstborn. So Pharaoh kept ignoring the directives of God to let his people go. He keeps ignoring the warning signs. So Moses approaches Pharaoh one last time. And we see this in in Exodus chapter 11, verse 4 through 7. And it says, So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die from the firstborn son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the firstborn son of the female slave who is at her hand mill. And all the firstborn of the cattle as well, there will be loud wailing throughout Egypt worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt, and Israel. This plague of death will be the final blow. Every house will have someone dead by morning. Every house, says that in God's word. Every house will have someone dead by morning. And so God made a plan to protect his people. That plan involved a sacrifice because in this plague, something had to die because the death angel would go over Egypt, even go over at Goshen where the Israelites are, and he will strike firstborn in every house dead. And so he needed a plan to save the Israelites. He didn't want that to happen to them. So he told Moses, tell the Israelites, I want you to find a lamb without spot, without blemish, without wrinkle, and what I want you to do is I want you to slaughter that lamb, and on the doorpost of your house, I want you to take that blood, and I want you to wipe it on the doorframe of every house. So they took the blood. They wiped it. The blood of the lamb, that spotless lamb, and they put it on every house. And the reason why is because when the death angel passed over the death angel will know do not touch this house this house is protected by blood by sacrifice that's already been made and so the israelites obeyed they took a lamb slaughtered it. They rubbed the blood out of obedience. I don't know about you, but I would do the same thing knowing that plague number one through nine came to pass and you want to do everything that you can to protect your family. So they took the blood did what God said. Did that? That the death angel came over all of the land. Went to the Egyptians, even Pharaoh's house. Killed the firstborn. In their sleep. Went to the land of Goshen. Went to the Israelites, and passed over their house when they saw the blood. The spotless. Lamb who made and paid the sacrifice so no one in their house would die. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 12 through 13, on that same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. We could stop there and just understand what a great and awesome, gracious God he is who provides for us, provides a way out, provides a plan. But before we get any deeper into this, I want to go back to Pharaoh. Let's revisit Pharaoh because there were some characteristics of the interaction between Pharaoh, Moses, and ultimately God. Number one, there were directives from God. There was a directive from God. God gave Pharaoh a simple directive, "Let my people go." I can't make it any plainer than that. He did this over and over and over again. He made it very clear. What is the problem with those four simple words, directive from God? Number two characteristic. There was a warning from God. There were several warnings from God. He was very gracious in warning him, Pharaoh. Many times before the plagues would appear, appear. there was a warning. And then, of course, there was a punishment from God. Because Pharaoh ignored the directives and ignored the, the warnings, he and all of Egypt experienced the punishments from God. So let's bring this encounter of Pharaoh and God. And really what it was, it wasn't really between Pharaoh and Moses. It was really between Pharaoh and God. So let's take Moses out of that equation just for a second. You just have Pharaoh, the most powerful human on the planet at that time, and God, the most powerful being of all time, of the universe, creator of heaven and the earth. So let's bring this encounter back home. I would like you to see these plagues not from the viewpoint of Moses or the Israelites, but from Pharaoh. I would like for you to not say, yeah, look at Pharaoh. Look at what he did. He, he wouldn't even listen to God. God gave him all these warnings and simple directives. He wouldn't even do it. So look what happened to him. It's really easy for us to sit in our comfortable green cushioned chairs today and just think about that story. But let me get, make it a little bit more comfortable for you and for me today. Allow me to do so. as I want you to look at this From the eyes of Pharaoh. I want you to put yourself in the sandals of Pharaoh. I want you to be Pharaoh this morning. Um, Like Pharaoh, we all hold on to things from time to time. But there are things we do not want to let go. God said, let my people go. If we're Pharaoh this morning, there could be some things in our life that we don't want to let go. There are some actions we don't want to stop doing. There are some things in our lives that God does not approve, and he wants them out of your life and out of your heart. Here's some questions I want you to ask of yourself, as I ask myself as well. What is plaguing your life right now? What is something that you just won't let go or can't let go that you know does not meet the approval of God. And what is God asking you to let go? What in your life is God asking you to let go? You know, the directive for Pharaoh is let my people go. What is God asking you to let go? Let blank go. Let Blank, go. Just like Pharaoh, God is trying to get your attention as to what you need to let go. And just like Pharaoh, the directives will be simple to understand. They're always simple. Yet, they're difficult to do, but they're simple to understand. What message is God trying to send to you? Who is your Moses today? Who is your Moses? If there are things you're doing that counteract a holy God, that contradict a holy God, then you could believe that there are directives he is trying to give you out of love. So position yourself to hear from God. Just like Pharaoh, you and I, we will have directives from God. They will be simple. They will be easy for you to understand. Hard to do, yes, because you have to let go of something. Number two, warnings from God. And just like Pharaoh, if we ignore these directives, God will send warning signs. God will confront you. What warning signs has God sent your way? Let me give you some examples. Maybe you have ignored directives for a lifestyle change, but are now experiencing maybe some health warnings. (laughs) I had a few health warnings last week, and I'm going, You trying to send a message, God? Yes. Maybe you have ignored directives to let go of of pornography, but you're now experiencing issues in your marriage intimacy and how you even look and value women. Maybe you have ignored the directives to let go of your gossiping or pushing others down, but are now experiencing feelings of loneliness and emotional unrest. Maybe you have ignored directives to let go of the first 10% 10% of your income as a tithes to the Lord, but are now experiencing some financial issues. Or maybe you have ignored the directives to control your emotional outburst to your kids, but are now experiencing a major disconnect with them. You see, when we ignore the directives, which are hard to let go, when we ignore the directives, God sends warning signs. He gives us warning signs. Hey, remember that directive? Here's a warning sign. Here's some things happening in your life. It's just like a great parent, a parent who loves her children. We give directives, then we give warnings. What comes after warnings? Just like Pharaoh. Punishment. If we ignore the directives and ignore the warning signs, then we will experience a natural law of punishment for our actions. There is a natural law that's in place that God set up. We will be plagued. Ignoring these will lead, could lead, to life-threatening health issues. For example, for example, it could lead to ignoring these could bring death to your marriage. Ignoring these will suck the life out of your emotions. Ignoring these will lead to serious. Financial consequences in ruin. Ignoring these will, will lead to losing the respect of your children. Just like the tenth and final plague, life will be taken away from the areas in which God is asking you to change or to let go. Just like that last and final plague. So there are directives. And you probably know what they are. I know mine are. And God wants us to obey. God will send us warning signs, and then the natural consequences of punishment will take place. But church, guests, there is hope. There is hope. You don't have to experience the plagues of life that occur due to ignoring God. Now, let me make something very clear. Please understand that I'm not saying that all hardship is associated with sin. I know I know people who who walk with the Lord in in, in amazing ways. They hear from God. Their, their walk is something that I wish I could I could repeat in my own life. Yet they are facing. Things in their life, health issues or whatever. So I'm not saying that things that happen in your life all are all because of sin. However, I will say this: if there are warning signs happening in your life, you need to ask God. You need to sit down with God and say, "God, um, why is this happening? What, what, what? Why? What have I? Is there something I, I've, I've done? Is there not a directive I didn't follow? What?" Is there a reason for this? God, God may either do one or two things. He'll say, yeah, I mean, I've asked you to do this. I've asked you to apologize. i asked you to forgive. i asked you to stop doing this, whatever it is. Or God will say, you know, I just, it's not because of sin. I just need you to carry this a little bit longer because I want to receive glory from that because that, I'm God. But understand this. When those warning signs happen. We need to go to God, and we need to ask, Lord, is there anything, anything I've done? You need to search your heart. Heed the warning signs and position yourself to hear from the Holy Spirit. You will have trouble, as Jesus said, on the last night he was with his disciples. We see this in John chapter 16, verse 33. He says this, I have told you these things, Jesus said, so that in me you may have peace in this world You will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. How did he overcome the world? What did he do to overcome this world? What did that look like to overcome this world? Well, just like the lamb who laid down its life and shed its blood on the cross, Jesus, the spotless lamb of God, came and died on a cross. For you and me the spotless lamb gave his life shed his blood hands pierced feet pierced body broken not his bones but his life pierced wounded and what's the hope hope is in the cross the hope is in the cross. The thing the thing that God wants you to let go, you need to bring it and put it at the cross. You need to come and bring it and put it at the cross. And he said, God, I need help. I need help with this. I'm going to do everything I can to let this go. And it's going to take people praying, people joining with me, but I want to lay it at the cross. Just lay it at the cross. Bring it to him. Bring it to the cross. Because there's hope in the cross. Have you ever been changed by the power of the cross? Have you ever been incredibly changed by the power of the cross? Because there is power in that cross. If the death angel will pass over the blood of a spotless lamb, there's power in the spotless blood of Jesus. There's power in the cross. So here's how we're going to respond. The band, in just a moment, when I pray, the band's going to come, and they're going to lead us in one more final song. We're going to stand. I encourage you to sing. But the altar is open right here. And I want you to just come forward. Look, all of us got junk. All of us come forward. I'll I'll be down here to pray if you need somebody to pray with. Absolutely. You don't need to come pray with me, though. The altar's open. You can be you and God. And just spend time in prayer. Maybe you know someone in your life who just needs to let some things go. Maybe parents, maybe you need to go towards your children. Maybe you need to go in substitution of your kids. Say, God, help my kids to lay this down at the foot of your cross. Maybe you know some other family member. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're, you're thinking, I, I need this cross. I've never accepted the blood of Jesus Christ. I've never asked Jesus to come into my life. I don't, ha- I don't know about this hope of this cross, but I want to know today. We're going to give you an opportunity right now. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, we're going to make, make this opportunity happen. And if you could just, just uh, have this a time of, of reverence. And I want, I want to ask you a question. What is God asking you to let go? What is God saying? Look, it's time for you to let go of this. It's time. I've been asking you. I've been giving you this, this directive. There's even been some warning signs given. And so now it's time to lay this at the foot of the cross. What is that? And whatever that is, I want you to be able to say, God, I give it to you. I let it go. Help me to let go. Help me to let it go. I give it. To you, I'm tired of being Pharaoh. I'm tired of being Pharaoh, and I need to get out of Egypt. I need to get out of here. Or maybe you're sitting here today, and you've never accepted Christ as Savior. It's really simple. You just say a simple prayer like, God, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus is your son. I believe he died on the cross. I believe he rose again. I have faith in that. Please forgive me my sin. Come into my life. And be Lord of my life. And it's all it takes. And if, if you pray that prayer just now in your heart, or if you even want to pray with me, I'm going to be down here at the front. You need to pray with me. But really, we, you don't need me. Just make it you and God. Take off your Pharaoh clothes Get out of Egypt and lay this junk at the foot of the cross. Father, you do your will. You do your powerful work. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's all stand together. There's power in the cross.